0: Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Necriadon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous, the real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin Our workings are wondrous too, and not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same results. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique, and as we share insights, knowledge, and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. Well, today I'm joined by Kim Bowden. Kim I'm delighted to welcome you to Life Beyond the Numbers.
1: Thank you very much, happy to be here.
0: Great, well Kim you believe finance makes a difference, tell me how.
1: I, I mean any good finance team you know we should all be doing good financial management, we should be having sound, reliable, all that stuff that you would normally hear about accurate timely management accounts. But to me, it's more about building trust across the organisation. And, you know, we want business budget holders to make good decisions. But in order to do that, it's to me, it's about connection and building relationships. And I mean, I work in the charity sector because I'm interested in the organisations that I work in. And I really want my team to be like that as well. So, you know, feeling apart, being interested, asking the right questions, I think helps raise the profile. Of finance within an organisation.
0: And what about those that work with you that may not see finance as making a difference?
1: I've had conversations in the past when people have said actually it doesn't matter that I care about the organisation I'm here to do a job and maybe in that role that particular conversation maybe he was right because of the role that he had I just think it's such a shame if they don't. And I feel like that, you know, we're we're not the best paid people in the world. I'm maybe a little bit idealistic when I think that people come to work for charitable organisations because they care about the charity. And I think the successful jobs that I have had, have had that kind of culture within the finance team. Mm.
0: Um, But what about the wider organisation as well, Kim, that would see finance as adding value or
1: not it's time I mean I've worked in organizations which did not see finance as adding value one organization it was like you know, never go to finance team because they'll be really awkward and bureaucratic and green pens over everything and actually that was probably one of the organizations when I did really begin to understand why I work in finance I mean I'd worked in finance for 20 years I suppose by that point and that was at a university and we had research contracts that didn't cover costs we had commercial contracts with the U.S. government that didn't even cover costs and that was because the academics basically went away and did their own thing and didn't involve finance so actually elbowing your way in pointing out that if they could cost this properly oh and finance can do that for you and help you with this and um, not only takes the you know, financial burden from them, but means that they have got more ability. And it, it's about building a partnership with them. I love that job. I would Had I not moved to London, I think I possibly might have still been in that job because I loved work. It was the first time I think I'd worked with people who were very passionate about their subject and dedicated to their subject and where that finance could connect and make a difference there so that was really important job for me wow that's that's kind of cool and you said that's when you
0: knew why you wanted to work with finance or why you worked in finance what exactly was
1: the not wanting to quote you but it is about bringing the numbers to life and bringing the story to life not even just in management I mean you We spend a lot of time talking about redesigning management accounts, but at the end of the day, it's budget versus actual. But it's all about the things around that that make the difference and being able to tell the story. And I will never understand physics, but actually doing business plans with the physics department to get big budgets from research councils. It meant that you could step out of being locked away in the finance team and work with them.
0: Yeah. yeah, and actually yeah. feel part of And feel this. part of it, yeah,
1: absolutely. Because, you know, I think probably in the very old days, finance were like in this golden corridor that you never went to finance unless you had to. And life's so much different now. Thank God, so much different now. Yeah. I, I always find it interesting when you meet people and the first question is, what do you do? As if your work defines you. And I'd actually be really disappointed if I was defined as... An accountant or director of finance and ops because that's that's not really who I feel I felt I fell into finance almost by accident because I was I did my all level at school that was a complete fluke it was because when we did our all levels you had three choices you had accounts you had biology which I wouldn't do because you cut up frogs in biology and I wouldn't cut up an animal or French and I wouldn't do French because part of my family's French and that was my only active teenage rebellion. So I did accounts just by default. It, so I fell into this by accident. I was good at it. I, it always amazes me when youngsters say, oh, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I think, God, I've worked in finance for 40 years and I'm still not sure what I want to do when I grow up. So <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, I I really don't want to be defined as a finance person. I'm way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what Life Beyond the
0: Numbers is trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's proved so. to the world that those that do finance or anything, that we're not defined by what we do, but who we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more that we can be who we are at work, the better the finance function can be.
0: And, and every function together. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's hard to believe Kim that you started out in finance over 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first job like?
1: My, my backstory is quite unusual. I left school at 16 because I well, largely financial but most importantly was I wanted to do I did accounts at O level and I wanted to do accounts and economics A level and at that time my school didn't do that so I got um, an office junior job at um, Berghaus Clothing and they put me on an ONC in business studies and I had I wish I was still in contact with her because I had the best boss ever who saw something in me and spent time with me to support my training support my experience and because it was a small organization it meant that I did everything within the finance team you know and I I worked in sales and you know all the rest of it so it was a small organization at that time and I mean it was her that said you, know, you need to move on so once I did my studies um, and then after that I did ACCA she's like you need to move on because we can't you can't teach you anything else and she basically pushed me at the door. And I think that's just so lovely in a manager who is thinking about the career of a person. And I try to do that. I mean, I, I, some of my most successful, oh, you know, satisfaction has been when I've seen people grow in the teams. So that's what I very much try to do. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Avril, Avril was great. I, I wish, I, I've, yeah, I'd love to get in touch with her and say, hey, look at me. <laughs>
0: and uh and obviously you've moved jobs over the years and you weren't always in the charitable sector is there a big difference
1: between the sectors kim i think finance is finance you know double entry bookkeeping is the same regardless financial controls are the same regardless i think there was a, a myth at one point that the charity sector and the commercial sector were very different Yes, okay. We're not motivated by profit, but we are motivated for value for money and making best use of resources. And frankly, it's all the same. So I don't think there is that much difference. I think charity sector was often seen as like lax and not having the controls in place. But again, I don't think that's the case anymore. My first not-for-profit job, I moved from a car dealership when I was a dealership accountant of maybe nine uh, car dealerships in in Scotland to a housing association. And so I went from where somebody was spending £15,000 on a Volvo to somebody who couldn't afford £200 rent arrears. And for me, that was a culture shock, moving into the sector and realising that life was very, very different for some people. Because I was like, what do you mean they can't afford £200 rent arrears? I think that was kind of the... uh, It was a journey for me uh, rather than a journey in terms of the financial management um, Mm. side.
0: You were saying the the difference between commercial and charitable or not-for-profit. I mean, accountability is huge in the not-for-profit sector. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I mean, to all of our donors, you know, not just uh, restricted grants, but, you know, to Mrs Smith who gives £5 a month. So I often uh, equate expenses when I'm trying to make a point into you do realize this equates to x number of five pounds a month because I think it's really important to remember who's paying for our work so I you know I'm I'm a typical accountant in as much as I'm very cautious about how we spend money but I just think that recognition and remembering who's funding us is just so important absolutely and you're an accredited counter-fraud specialist. Specialist. Aye, I am. I did a course last year, it was run by Crow um, at University of Portsmouth. God, it was fascinating. I've done over the years a number of fraud investigations in my jobs, from a very much a financial control perspective. I haven't done it from a legal perspective. So I had the opportunity to go on this course, which was fantastic. And, you know, it's the sort of thing you don't want to practise because that means there would be some sort of fraud in an organisation that I work with. But if that ever did happen, I know exactly how to uh, produce a case file so we can give it to the police or action fraud so, so um, fraud will be taken. And, I mean, as I get older and think to retirement, this is something that I'd like to move into about providing support especially to smaller charities so that they can have fraud policies a good anti-fraud framework and awareness within the organization so that would include you know training looking at policies looking at practices within the organization then just so that you know we can be accountable and mrs smith does know that the five pounds is safe within the organization so it's an area that i'm um, increasingly fascinated by i've seen some frauds where I, i have been very very impressed you know people are clever you know, really really clever the first fraud that i was ever involved in the investigation was actually in the car dealership And mm. um, so you know it's it sadly it happens everywhere and with cyber f- fraud as well it's a uh, increasing risk so yeah and it's also a,
0: like you say people are very clever and if people are yeah. colluding yeah. then it is such a difficult thing to uncover yeah. and prove yeah
1: yeah yeah, definitely. And that's why it's really important that people in finance teams have a suspicious mind, to a certain extent, or curious. curious. So if, something <laughs> looks, if something looks wrong, then, you know, speak out. Because I mean, I think every fraud that I have heard of or been um, involved in investigating, somebody said, oh, yeah, that, in hindsight, that looked, re- that looked weird. And so trying to get people to be more aware and the organization to be aware that this is why we have financial controls in place. Yeah. Is to help prevent, you know, that's why we have segregation of duty and authorization limits, etc. is to protect the organization and to protect the individuals within the organization. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I could, I could talk about fraud for hours. It's like, <laughs> just, it's like my, my, my pet subject.
0: <laughs> but no I, I think I could as well in a way but the whi- whistleblowing though I think often it is really difficult also for people to blow the whistle when yeah. they when they feel something is going wrong
1: yeah and you know they don't want to think badly of their colleagues that's part of an organizational culture about being able to speak out and being feeling that you will be protected and being psychologically safe and able to do that. I mean, one of the things that at Friends of the Earth um, we've, we're very keen on and you know, we're not perfect, but we're improving is having a culture where people do feel protected, psychologically safe and able to speak out, not just on whistleblowing, but you know, grievance policies and things like that to improve the culture within the organisations. It is frustrating because so often the signs were there and people just didn't join the dots So, yeah, that's my longer term plan. The fear, the
0: psychological safety, it's an interesting one because. I guess
1: the culture has to come from the top that. It does. Yeah. And you know, and that's all about being authentic, being open, sharing early. Obviously the last couple of months have been slightly uh, unusual and we've been through lots of challenges within organizations as I'm sure everybody has. And you know, we haven't always got it right. We've put things in place which have changed very quickly and we've had to adapt as we go through. And you know, we're not perfect. We'll get it wrong. And actually feeling confident enough to say, sorry, you know, my bad, we misinterpreted something or this isn't what I thought. I think it's quite, it, it takes quite a mature SLT to have that mindset. I was going to say, it's quite grown up. It is <laughs> yeah, quite grown up. And if, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that there's not like behind the scenes angst, but yeah, we, we're trying. We're trying really hard. Staff must yeah. recognise that, Kim. Yeah, I think so. We have interim CEOs at the moment and that's basically been their focus is about having an organisation which is more mature, has those principles in place so that we can be, so that we can learn from each other. You know, SLT, just because they're in these positions doesn't mean we'll always get it right. We're we're stronger when we work together. So what we're trying to do is empower people to, um, you know, speak up, not just on whistleblowing and things like that, but just within normal course of events. So, you know, The best ideas come from the bottom. Absolutely. You know, rather than the top.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's your diversity as well and inclusivity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Do you think, Kim, it's
1: possible to find a dream job? <laughs> I thought I've had my dream job a few times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? But,
1: you know, I... I think at one point I would have said, yes, I thought I had my dream job. I'm no longer in my dream job. All jobs are great at times, frustrating at other times. You know, we don't live in this idealistic, rose-tinted world. You know, jobs are sometimes awful. But that doesn't mean that they're not great organisations to work in. I just think the, the idea that you'll get your dream job and you'll work in it, for the next 10 years for me certainly is an outdated mindset i just think you learn more when you grow and you get new experiences and you meet new people and the, that's the challenge for me is meeting new people and new organizations mm.
0: and uh, i wonder has everyone heard of friends of the earth maybe you tell us a little bit about what what it is you do friends of
1: the earth there's our 50th birthday next year and um, we are working, obviously, on climate change. We work through a grassroots um, local groups because what we're trying to do is um, empower local groups to take responsibility and action within their areas. We also work at a political level. To push through legislation changes and to protect the environment. So yesterday in our meeting we were hearing about Northern Ireland and they've got a climate bill that they're putting through to the Northern Ireland Assembly. So it's a whole gamut of coming at the climate change and trying to improve track climate from different aspects. So key wing winds recently are fracking, so stopping the fracking in Lancashire and also more recently as well the Heathrow win our political and legal team are really superheroes so they basically stopped the third runway in Heathrow and that's you know obviously the Heathrow have appealed and that's been heard in the high court um, a couple of weeks ago so we're waiting for an announcement for that but it's just I, I mean I wanted to go to Friends of the Earth because I'd never worked in a UK-based charity I'd only worked in international charities and slightly bizarrely one of the reasons that I wanted to work in a UK organisation was so that I would have less Skype calls or Teams <laughs> calls uh, and, more, and more cups of coffee round a table I've been here a year now, uh, eight months of that has been at home. <laughs> so it's like, careful what you wish for. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, I've never worked in a UK charity. And, you know, obviously environment and climate change is something that's important to me. So it yeah. just seemed to tick lots of, lots of boxes at the time. And, you know, the fact that I'm now looking after finance and operations, so, you know, a wider remit than just finance, again, is challenging myself to learn new things. And just, thank God I've got a great team and it was a great opportunity for me so left my arguably my dream job working out with animals to come here
0: yeah cool that was great and so most of your other roles were international then Kim did you travel much with
1: um I didn't travel as much as I probably ought to have done and so when in 2002 I moved to London and that time I was like I haven't worked in a true charity you know international development so i worked at care international and that was my first overseas trip to sri lanka just before the tsunami yeah. we came back on it we came back on the 24th 23rd of december i think and the tsunami was on the, obviously the 26th of december there i went to india and um, i've been to some fascinating places been to kenya quite a lot uganda costa rica australia new york must say Australia and New York were probably my favourite trips. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I I learned more, I think, about what the organisation does, uh, you know, in Uganda and India, when I could see how people's lives were so different. And that kind of reaffirmed to me about why I worked in those organisations. So that was, I suppose, more specifically uh, um, Interact Worldwide, a small international health charity sexual health charity we had EU funding to build a really small clinic in a really remote area of India it's weird when you work in finance you see the EU proposal you look at the finances you read it you don't actually know what you're building so when we drove up to this three-roomed building it was like is this it and there was basically a waiting room a, a treatment room and a pharmacy but that Facility had given six hundred women sexual health contraception in the month before, and they wouldn't have had access to things like that before. And that's when things really come to light. When you, know, when you say it, you go oh, it's I have always tried since then at least to get photographs of what what it is that you're doing, <laughs> because it doesn't mean anything when you just see the numbers on the page. And I mean, I suppose the, the second major issue for me was when I worked for Mary Stopes International and went to Uganda and I'll always remember this lady she was getting her tubes tied and she was 28 she had 10 living children Jesus and she I mean obviously it was a major major thing for her and it meant that we talked obviously through interpreters uh, beforehand she said she will be able to provide more opportunity for her children now that she's not having any more children so you know i'm very keen that people have choice in life and i mean we made i know we made such a difference to that individual woman so going from a 230 million pound organization to i know we affected this woman's life is really powerful that is
0: very powerful even <laughs> yeah. listening to
1: it yeah, is yeah. Powerful. It was, it, i must admit i was slightly queasy after seeing the operation but she was fine <laughs> she recovered more quicker than I did wow but yeah yeah it was I've, I've been incredibly lucky to be some fabulous places
0: and what about maybe not places being a nightmare but organizations that were
1: it's not all been rosy I have worked in organizations where I've made the wrong decision to move and I've, I've moved for the wrong reasons I worked in a school where the culture of the school was not the enabling supportive organization that i would like to work with it was the exact opposite of that and i should have trusted my judgment because the interview was horrible i came away from the interview going well that wasn't a good interview that was horrible and then they offered me the job and i thought oh well you know it's funny isn't it and that that should have been assigned to me that That was the culture of the organisation. So I went from there to World Animal Protection. And when I had the interview at World Animal Protection, I didn't get asked any questions about financial management or experience. I got asked about culture and how I like to manage what I want from an organisation. So then I knew immediately it was a good fit. Whereas this uh, this organisation was just, you know, borderline bullying very negative and I work best in organizations where I feel supportive I feel enabled and I can do so to my staff team and that wasn't like that and I was there for nine miserable months and left Mm you know and so you know my learning from that is trust your judgment Mm. trust your judgment when you go for interviews that um, if it doesn't feel right it probably isn't and just having the I suppose the confidence to not take that job Mm. but also yourself.
0: how long do you stay if you didn't get the warning signs yeah
1: I don't know I mean they I, I, I was getting to the stage where I think it was affecting my mental well-being um, and my confidence in my job actually and the ability to do the job and I think that was a sign to me that it was you know I mean I don't subscribe to the theory that you you would move within a month or anything I, I gave it time and I just got to the stage where I wasn't happy I was losing confidence in myself and you know I've struggled with confidence sometimes in my career before and I, knew, I just knew it just didn't feel right and I was at a stage where I was thinking of just leaving and I mean I've worked full-time since I was 16 so leaving a job and not having a full-time job was a major kind of thing to me but I was thinking of just doing a short-term contracts and just leaving and then this job came up at World Animal Protection, and that was my dream job, and I was you know, delighted to uh, see it move there.
0: And um, how would you advise people who find themselves in difficult work situations, Kim?
1: I think um, ideally speak out to your line manager and, or your, you know, whoever, or, or confidant within the organisation um, to tell them how you feel we had a close circle of people who could talk about how things were I think that there's a difference between being with an organization where you think change will happen and being in an organization where you're the round peg in the square hole square peg in the round hole and you know that they're not going to change so you need to you need to go and you know I spoke at this organization about how I felt but you know it was such a undermining culture that it just wasn't going to change so yeah definitely speak out speak to people in other um organizations and you know peers and friends that you have throughout your career and just sense check is it you or is it them and then if it is them and there's no sign of changing then have the confidence to move on and you know it was an interesting experience I learned from it wasn't the happiest time in my life but actually i'm still in touch with two really close friends who i met there so you know there were some positives that came out of it
0: i think difficult experiences you also make good friendships often don't you
1: you you bind together yeah
0: yeah yeah to support one another
1: (laughs) yeah definitely
0: we talked about dream jobs but dream job titles
1: (laughs) my best job title which is obviously an unofficial job title Somebody called me queen of finance. I love that. I really want that to be an official job title. Um, I mean, obviously he was probably being very sarcastic, but it stuck. I like that. I want to bring that one back. <laughs>
0: Somebody calls me Princess Bad News one time.
1: Because <laughs> every time that's, that's I came not, into their
0: office, I had bad news for them. That's
1: not so good. <laughs> yeah. but Queen of Finance. Yeah, I, I, I've only been at friends of the earth for a year. So maybe I'll wait until another year before I bring that
0: in. <laughs> Work-life balance, Kim. I think this means something different to everyone. So what? what does it mean for you? How do you know you have it or don't?
1: I think for long parts of my early career, I didn't have it. Um, when I worked at the university, because I loved that job so much, I used to probably go to work every day, <coughs> including the weekends. And, you know, one of the days the security guard said to me, why weren't you in on Sunday? It was like, oh God, I know I haven't got this right. I'm a hard worker and I'm dedicated to my job, but I don't want to, I, and I've had jobs when it ha- work has seeped into my, personal time in as much as I've been stressed and I haven't been able to sleep and you know all you're thinking about is work that's that's not a good place to be I'm not saying that I don't occasionally uh fall into that but it's having the time to spend I mean I think you know the last couple of months have shown us that spending time doing things with people you love and being able to take time to read books and go for walks and go for runs and do my ultimate many crafting projects and cook and things like that makes you more productive at work you know you can't keep working all the time and you need to have a break and and use the other side of your brain so yeah really important to me
0: and I would imagine fun is something that's important to you
1: as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've really missed, you know, we we go to the cinema a lot, we go to the theatre, we go to concerts and football. So all these activities that would normally define our life have been put on hold. Um, I am missing some more than others, weirdly, which I never thought I would say. But just being able to do things like that, go out for meals, go out for meals with friends. Well, Kim, just maybe one
0: last question. If there are
1: people listening who are
0: interested in pursuing career in the nonprofit sector, is there any advice you would give to them?
1: I would say get experience. Obviously, you'll need to get your qualifications in um, and, and, you know, the academic side. But work in organisations that really interest you Move around organizations in different sectors, get used to the acronyms and the jargon that is slightly different in one organization to the other, but kind of fall back on your, your financial skills and your ed- professional education because it's a really exciting, dynamic, interesting sector. And yes, we could all get more money working elsewhere, but you know, in terms of job satisfaction. Um, you'll get way more job satisfaction working in this sector than I'm sure you will for a commercial organisation.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kim. Yeah, no problem. If anyone would like to connect with you, can they find you on
1: LinkedIn or something? They can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, no problem. And happy to, you know, for people who... I'm um, maybe thinking of moving into not for profit, or want to connect with me. I'd like to kind of pay back what Avril did to me, and um, ha- happy to have a chat with people. Fantastic! Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Kim. No problem. Take nice care. To see you. Yeah, Bye. you too.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening today, and if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.